Welcome to Zen Bites, where we blend ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering mindful entrepreneurs to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. Welcome. Today I wanted to talk about management guidelines. I mean, we have a lot of uh, guidelines from the management gurus such as Tom Peters, Peter Drucker, Jack Walsh, Michael Porter, John Cotter, to name a few. But today I wanted to examine the management guidelines that we find in the Bhagavad Gita, that sacred text that was written thousands of years ago. Now, there's an important distinction between effectiveness and efficiency in management. Effectiveness is doing the right things, whereas efficiency is doing things right. And the principle, the general principles of effective management can be applied in every field. The difference is being more in application than in principle. The manager's function can be summed up as forming a vision planning the strategy to realize the vision, cultivating the art of leadership, establishing institutional excellence, building an innovative organization, developing human resources, building teams and teamwork, delegation, motivation, and communication and reviewing performance and taking corrective actions when called for. Thus, management is a process of aligning people and getting them committed to work for a common goal to the maximum social benefit. That's according to Tom Peters in in Search of Excellence. So the critical question becomes, how does a manager become effective in their job? And we can find the answers to this in the Bhagavad Gita. And it repeatedly proclaims in that sacred text that you must try to manage yourself. And the reason behind that is that unless a manager reaches a level of excellence and effectiveness, he or she will merely be a face in the crowd. And the Gita enlightens us about management techniques, uh, leading us toward a harmonious and blissful state of affairs in place of conflict, tensions, poor productivity, absence of motivation, and et cetera. Modern Western management, um, the concepts of vision there is that um, of vision leadership, motivation, excellence in work, achieving goals, giving work meaning, decision-making and planning. This is all discussed in the Gita as well, with one major difference. While Western management um, deals with the problems at the material, external, and peripheral levels, levels, 
The Bhagavad, the Bhagavad Gita tackles the issues from the grassroots level of human thinking. Once the basic thinking of man is improved, it'll automatically enhance the quality of his actions and the results. Western management philosophy um, is based on the allure of materialism and on a perennial thirst for profit, irrespective of the quality of the means adopted to achieve that goal. And this basically has its source in the abundant wealth of the West. And so management by materialism is, um, is taught. And the result is that while huge funds have invested in building these temples of modern management education, no perceptible changes are visible in the improvement of the general quality of life. Although the standard of living has gone up. It's the same old struggle in almost all sectors of the economy. The criminalization of institutions, social violence, exploitation, and other vices are seen deep. So let's look at the source of this problem. So Western philosophy of management focuses on making the worker and the manager as well more efficient and more productive. Companies offer workers more to work more, produce more, sell more, and stick to the organization without looking for alternatives. The sole aim of extracting better and more work from the, from the worker is to improve the bottom line of the company. In effect, the worker is a hireable commodity who can be replaced, can be used, replaced, and discarded at any time. And Western management philosophy may have created prosperity for some people, some of the time at least, but has failed in the aim of ensuring betterment of individual and social welfare. And this remained by and large a soulless edifice, an oasis of plenty for a few in the midst of poor quality of life for many. Now let's examine some of the modern management concepts that are found in the Gita. First, we'll look at utilization of available resources. The first lesson of management science is to choose wisely and utilize scarce resources optimally. Secondly, work commitment. The Gita advises detachment. Detachment from fruits or results of actions performed in the course of one's duty. So being dedicated, the work has to mean working for the sake of work, generating excellence for its own sake. 
if we're always calculating the date of promotion or the rate of commission before we put in our efforts, then the work is not detached. It is not generating excellence for its own sake, but working only for the extrinsic reward that may or may not result. Working um, with an eye for the anticipated benefits means that the quality of performance of the current job or, or duty suffers. The way the world works means that events do not always respond positively to our calculations and thus expected fruits may not always be there. So the Gita tells us not to mortgage present commitment to an uncertain future. And some people, of course, might argue that not seeking the business result of working actions makes one accountable, where in fact the Gita has advice on the theory and on the theory of cause and effect, making the dual responsible for the consequences of their deeds. While it advises detachment from the avarice of selfish gains and discharging one's accepted duty, the Gita does not absolve anybody of the consequences arising from the discharge of his or her responsibilities. According to the Gita, the best means of effective performance management is the work itself. Now let's look at motivation Okay, so historically, um, it's been presumed that satisfying you know, the lower needs of workers, such as adequate food and clothing and shelter, are key factors in motivation. However, it's a common experience that the dissatisfaction, the dissatisfaction of, say, a clerk and of the director is identical. Only the scales and composition vary. So it would seem to be true that once the lower needs are satisfied, the director should have little problem optimizing his contribution to the organization and society. But more often than not, um, that's not the case. On the contrary, however, a lower paid teacher or self-employed freelancer may demonstrate higher levels of self-actualization despite poor satisfaction of their um, lower needs. And this explains the theory of self-transcendence, which is found in the Gita. Self-transcendence involves renouncing egoism, putting, one's, putting others before oneself, emphasizing teamwork, dignity, cooperation, harmony and trust, and potentially sacrificing lower needs for higher goals, which is the opposite of Maslow, his hierarchy of needs. So doing work with detachment means that the ego, the ego spoils the work and the ego is a centerpiece of 
most theories of motivation. We don't need a theory of motivation, but yet a theory of inspiration. Disinterested work finds expression in devotion, surrender, and equipoise. The former are psychological and the third is determination to keep the mind free of the dualistic pulls of daily experiences. Detached involvement in work is the key to mental equanimity. This attitude leads to a stage where the worker begins to feel presence of the supreme intelligence guiding the embodied individual intelligence. And we'll look at work culture. An effective work culture is about vigorous and arduous efforts in pursuit of given or chosen tasks. Now, Sri Krishna um, talks about two types of work culture, divine work culture and demonic work culture. Divine work culture involves fearlessness, purity, self-control, sacrifice, straightforwardness, self-denial, calmness, absence of fault-finding, absence of greed, gentleness, modesty, absence of envy and pride. Whereas demonic work culture is defined, it involves egoism, delusion, personal desires, improper performance, work not oriented towards service. Mere work ethic is not enough. I mean, the hardened criminal exhibits an excellent work ethic. What we need is a work ethic conditioned by ethics in work. Now let's look at work results. The Gita explains the theory of detachment from intrinsic rewards of work in saying that if the result of sincere effort is success, the entire credit should not be appropriated by the doer alone. If the result of sincere effort is a failure, then too the entire blame does not accrue to the doer. Okay. And lastly, we'll look at manager's mental health. So sound mental health is the very goal of any human activity especially in management. Sound mental health is a state of mind that can maintain a calm, positive poise or regain it when unsettled. In the midst of all the external vagarities of work life and social existence, internal constancy and peace are the prerequisites for a healthy, stress-free mind. And some of the impediments of sound mental health are greed, envy, egotism, suspicion, anger, and frustration, anguish through comparisons. Now the driving forces in today's businesses are speed and competition. And there's a danger that 
that these forces cause erosion of the moral fat fiber that in seeking the end, one permits oneself immoral means like tax evasion, or illegitimate financial holdings, being economical with the truth, quote unquote, deliberate oversight and the audit, too clever financial reporting, and so on. This phenomenon <laughs> is also discussed in the, in the Gita as the Yayati syndrome. Now think about how the Gita, the Gita's version of management principles versus the modern principles that we've all been taught in school. And if we could just merge the two. But I want to thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Until then, stay focused. Inspired. And on purpose. Thanks for listening to Zen Bites, where we just blended ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering you to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. 